Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. Good morning. My name is Pastor Cal, and I have the privilege of serving on the staff team here at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Saskatoon. And we're thrilled that you've chosen to join uh, us and tune in to our Sunday morning online worship service today. Our Sunday summer series is titled A Long Walk with Jesus. And we're taking these summer months to examine some of the teachings, the parables, and interactions that Jesus had as we find in the gospel. Now, this morning, I'm joined by Spencer Vanderwald. He's a missionary with name and pastor at House for All Nations. Spencer, uh, it's been fun working with you over the last several weeks as we prepared for the message today, and I've enjoyed a lot of our casual conversations as well, too. Before we get into today's message, uh, just take a moment, uh, just a minute or so, and just share a little bit about yourself and, and a little bit about your family. Thank you very much, Cal. It's always an honor and a privilege for me to be here. Uh, just so that uh, I can give a bit of a background of who I am, my name is Spencer van der Walt. I'm married to Karen. I have three sons, Reuben, Simeon, and Benjamin. Uh, all three of them were born in India. We were missionaries in India for 16 years. I spent some time in Africa as well, originally where we are from, from South Africa, where I taught at a Bible college there. And it was there that God called my family to come to Canada to work specifically with First Nation people. But when we were here, we realized as we were involved with with the House for All Nations, that wonderful, that the people in our neighborhood uh, actually were a lot of the same people groups that we were working with while we were in India. So we could really just adapt very easily in uh, the Nepali people and the Hindi-speaking people. And so here I am. We came in in 2018, and, uh, and in February this year, I took over from Pastor Rick at the House for All Nations. Yeah. And it's been great to have you on board uh, ministering here in Saskatoon. Now this morning we're working through uh, actually a really interesting interaction of Jesus, and that is Jesus' encounter with the demon-possessed man. Now if you're familiar with this story, you'll know it, it's kind of the stuff that Hollywood movies are made of. There's, there's drama and there's action, there's excitement, there's heroism, and, and even a bit of the unknown. Mm-hmm. There's seeming defeat and then victory and there's even a bit of a cliffhanger as uh, uh, at the end as well too and it's actually no coincidence uh, that we have spencer sharing with us this morning because you actually have some direct experience with this kind of supernatural and you're going to share uh, some of those experiences with uh, with us as we as we continue on yes now we, we've got a lot to go through this morning so let's get right into it our main passage uh, for today is mark chapter 5 verses 1 to 20. Now, there's a few different ways we could have approached this interaction of Jesus, but for today, we've chosen to focus on the theme of authority. Yes, you know, authority is something that we generally don't like in our lives. Um, Even as a young child, when somebody told me, do, I felt within me, I don't want to do that. It's just natural. So I have three kids, and uh, they tend to also challenge authority. Uh, Two of them are teenagers, and our 11-year-old thinks he's a teenager. So we have that general tendency in us to want to go against authority. But authority, if we think about it, is something we all live under. And it's either under something or someone. 
And this interaction that we will be sharing with this morning will show us a different aspect of the authority that Jesus had. And it challenges us to consider His authority in our lives. Is He Lord? Is He really the one that is on the throne in our lives? So Jesus reveals and demonstrates His authority. And this morning we will see and highlight how these truths of His authority comes through. Now, before we get into the actual account of Jesus and this demon-possessed man, in our preparations, I had mentioned to you that I actually believe it's very necessary to see what happens between Jesus and his disciples just before this encounter. Now, if you're watching at home, I'd invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41, and just follow along as I read. So Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. Here it says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So Kel, this is an important part of the overall story that Jesus uh, wants to introduce to us before we get to the demoniac. Mm -hmm who was at the other side of the lake. Can you share with us why do you think this is so? Now, just before this episode, actually, Jesus uh, and his disciples uh, had been with the crowds. And Jesus had been teaching the crowds and his disciples uh, using parables, primarily focusing on the theme of what the kingdom of God was going to be like. Now, often the crowds and the others who didn't accept Jesus for who he was and didn't accept the things he taught uh, wouldn't understand what the parables meant. In fact, Jesus actually says that's one of the main reasons why he uses parables in his teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, it's so that those who earnestly are really desire to seek him would understand and could come to know what the things that he was talking about. Now I believe Jesus is showing his disciples how to put teaching into practice. Look at what Jesus says in verse 35. He says, let us go over to the other side. Yes, Cal, please help us make the connection because it wasn't just simply because Jesus, is, Jesus said, let us go over. I'm quite sure there was something behind the motive of all of this, as we know that Jesus never did something just for the sake of doing that. Right. I think it's, it's fair to say it's a more than reasonable assumption to say that Jesus had a reason for everything he did. Mm -hmm. So we need to see that this request wasn't random. It certainly wasn't purposeless. It was very intentional. Now, once again, Jesus has been teaching his disciples as well as the crowds that had gathered around him. And the key theme of that teaching has been the kingdom of God. Now here, what I believe Jesus is doing is continuing to teach them, but now he's teaching them through real life. Yes. It's what we call today um, just-in-time learning or just-in-time teaching. And, and to be honest, it's a far more effective method of teaching and discipleship than simply lecturing or being in a classroom. Yes, um, you know, that's a good observation because if we see where Jesus really got the power from and the authority in his teachings, it wasn't just mere theological or doctrinal statements he was making right. as many of the old Pharisees 
and the older teachers did. As a matter of fact, when Jesus taught, there was an authority about what he taught, and it was something that the disciples picked up. They realized, and they even said in some parts of the scripture, that, they, that he had more authority than the other teachers around him. So he regularly used life as a metaphor, I guess, to teach what he was wanting them to learn. And that is a very powerful way of teaching. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And, and this is, I think, another instance of that. So we see Jesus calls his disciple to go over to the other side. And, and this is significant because the other side wasn't just the other side of the Sea of Galilee. You see, everybody knew what? Actually, everybody knew who was on the other side. And it was this demon-possessed man. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about him in just a moment. This man had been possessed for quite some time, many years, in fact. He was naked, and because of superhuman strength, he couldn't be contained or nor could he be controlled. He lived in the caves, and he basically had been ostracized and banished by his family and by his townspeople. And this was the person, and this was the situation that Jesus was calling his disciples to go to. Yes, and because the disciples were fishermen, at least some of them, and they knew the area, they knew the lake, they were quite aware about this area that they were moving into. Yeah. And um, I would uh, suggest that maybe they would even have had a little hesitancy in their yeah. hearts, yeah. knowing that uh, maybe there is a very, very strange person they were going to meet on the other side, but also knowing that this was an area where Jewish influence wasn't as prevalent as where they were coming from. So uh, added to the fact that Jesus and his disciples were going from this Jewish region into a Gentile region, as understood by the fact that we read there that pigs were being yeah. farmed there. Yeah. And we know uh, that pigs, of course, were seen as unclean animals to the Jewish people. So Jesus, Jesus was calling his disciples to go from the familiar, what they knew, mm -hmm. to a very unfamiliar setting, an unfamiliar place even, in the sense that uh, they didn't know really what was waiting for them on the other side. So he was calling them from the comfortable part of what they knew to the uncomfortable and maybe even a fearful part that they were expecting to see on the other side. Yeah, I, I would totally believe so. I mean, even today, who really chooses to go into what's unknown or what is fearful? Who chooses to go to places that no one else will go? Uh, who chooses to, to go to the other side? But here's the thing. It wasn't necessarily the place that Jesus wanted his disciples to go to. It was the person. Mm -hmm. Jesus was calling his disciples and calling those of us today who call ourselves Christ followers to go to the other side, to go to people that society would rather ostracize or, or even banish. He calls us to go to those that we might fear or be uncomfortable with, or even in our own humanness, outright refuse to go to. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Jesus reveals and demonstrates his presence, his power, and his authority to his disciples before they arrive at that fearful and that unknown. As Jesus and his disciples cross the sea, this crazy storm comes up. And it's, it wasn't an uncommon occurrence in the Sea of Galilee, but this storm is so bad that even the seasoned fishermen in the group are scared for their lives. But Jesus is asleep. Talk about a, a deep sleeper. Now, there's a few theories as to why Jesus was sleeping or why he was able to sleep in the middle of this ferocious storm. But I like to propose a very simple answer. Uh, Jesus was asleep simply because he knew he had nothing to fear. Mm -hmm. And he chose to sleep because he wanted his disciples to call to him and to rely on him in the midst of this storm, recognizing that they were soon going to have this amazing encounter 
with the unknown and the fear. So the first truth I want to bring out for us this morning is the unquestionable authority of Jesus over the physical. Yes, and let's not forget that, Jim, that Jesus, excuse yeah. me, demonstrated this authority um, on the sea, over the, over the waves and over the wind. The disciples were fully aware that the person in this boat that was with them was not, as I mentioned before, a, a person, merely a person, but they, there was something very spiritually deep about him that he had authority over the nature itself. Mm -hmm. And when they were aware of this, it was as if Jesus was preparing them for the things to come. Yeah. And again, there, there was some confusion. They didn't know for sure what was going on, but certainly this demonstration was set the table for, for what is to come. Yes. So before we go on and before we get into the actual story of the demon-possessed man, I, I think we need to stop and ask an important question mm -hmm. for, for each of us. Yes. And that is simply this, is who is on your other side? Who is it that you or I or others are, are often hesitant to go to? Those people, who are we uncomfortable or even scared of? Who are those who are marginalized and, and perhaps even uh, ostracized by society? You know, we, the Church of Jesus Christ, are often called to those places. Mm -hmm. And while we might be hesitant or even fearful, I believe God can and will reveal His unquestionable authority to us if we are willing to go. Mm -hmm. A few weeks ago, we had Kevin Schuler, our BGC Executive Director, sharing with us, and he quoted a line. I think it was a, a, a line from a song that he knew uh, when he was younger, and it said, Someone is waiting to meet Jesus on the other side of your fear. In this instance, it was this demon-possessed man. So who is it for you? Who is it for me? Mm -hmm. Who is it for those who are listening? Who on the other side of our fear needs Jesus? So now, after this display of unquestionable authority, they arrive on the other side mm -hmm. and have this encounter with a man possessed by demons. Yes. Spencer, why don't I ask you to lead us through this section of the story? Yes, I'd be happy for us to have a look at this. And I think we should uh, just progressively move through this uh, as his disciples were from a, a position of hesitance, mm -hmm. of maybe uh, not knowing what was to come, uh, maybe even skeptical. And then he moves them towards the ultimate goal of sending them into the world with a message of the gospel. In other words, Jesus knew that he had to build them up slowly so that by the time he would send them out, they would have an absolute understanding of the authority that who he was and the authority that he shared with them later on as he sent them out into the world. So he does this teaching miracle by miracle and his life was living proof that he was who he said he was. Mm -hmm. He was not just merely using words, but he was actually backing up every statement he made by proving to them in his life who he was. And the most powerful miracle of all that he eventually did show was his resurrection on the third day. So with that, let's read what happens on the other side mm -hmm. of the sea. We won't read the whole chapter or the whole encounter, but we'll work our way through the beginning. So let's read from Mark 5, verse 1 to 5. And I will just read... Uh, from, I think this is the New Living Translation. So, so they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he, put, he, well, whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, 
he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. This is truly a, a, a supernatural mm -hmm. event that was happening because no normal person could do those things. So no one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. He really seemed to be in torment, didn't he? Yeah, and this was who was on the other side. Yes. Yes, and after preparing their faith by allowing them to see his authority over the natural, the waves and the storm, Jesus came and brought them to the other side. And he introduces them to a reality that his authority not only transcended nature itself, but that it moved way above anything else into the spiritual realm. So, and, and something else that we can add to that is that not only into the spiritual realm, but even into a strange different region, we see when Jesus was speaking to this man and these demons obeyed him, that he wasn't under the regular area where he normally was. These demons were in a strange place and yet they still had to submit to his authority. So uh, Jesus did this by delivering the man who, was, who had been demon-possessed by four to 6,000 demons. The second truth we need to see is the unquestionable authority of Jesus over the spiritual. Right. Now you said there's a few things that kind of jumped out at you at this story. Yes, so why don't yes. you share that with us? Thank you. So four things really jump at me when I read the account of this man's deliverance. First of all, even though there were four to 6,000 demons possessing and tormenting this man, they could not keep him from his desire to being set free and delivered by Jesus. So in verse 6 we read, When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him and ran to him and bowed before him. So in other words, the demons, as many as they were, were not powerful enough for the desire that this man had to be delivered. Mm. That's, a, that's actually a really interesting observation, Spencer. So the demons had this incredible hold over this man, but he was still able to go and ask for freedom and deliverance. So yes. what do you think is the significance of this? So it really reveals to us that, that if someone is truly seeking after God, if someone has a desire to want to be set free, that Jesus Christ has the authority and the power above anything that mm. they are facing or anything that anyone is facing in their lives right now, Jesus' authority supersedes all of that. And if our heart is truly crying out to the Lord for deliverance, Jesus will answer that prayer. That, that's actually a really good truth, Spencer. And I, you probably, like me, have met people that have been um, captured, like in, in that sense, by things that they've, they've done in the past or things that they don't believe that God could forgive them for. And that's actually a lie of Satan, isn't it? That's not the truth that, that God reveals to us. Um, so there's no such thing as a person that is so far from God that they can't come to God and God won't receive them. Absolutely. Either. Yeah, that's yeah. A, and that's a really a valuable point. So um, why don't we continue? What, what's the, the next thing that you notice? Yes. So the second thing that stands out is in the midst of this tormenting, the demons recognized who Jesus was and the authority he had. So we read in Mark 5, verse 6 to 7, it says as follows, When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. And this is the verse 7 that I want to highlight here that says, With a shriek he screamed, 
Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? So these demons knew immediately who they were dealing with and that he had authority way above what they were and who they were. That's another great observation, Francis. So again, what do you see as the significance of this? Well, this teaches us, it, it really shows us the truth that there is unquestionable authority in the person of who Jesus was over the spiritual. As powerful as these demons were, they were no match for Jesus. In North America, we don't always see the obvious signs of demonic power, but often we, sh we see people who are caught up in other things such as addictions or consumed uh, by, by the worldly things that mm -hmm. are too powerful for them to overcome. And the authority of Jesus overcomes all these powers, no matter how strong and how powerful they might be. So even in the world we are today, a lot of people would say that the Bible is for, for the old times and mm. it's got no relevance for today. Right. But the authority that Jesus had then is the same authority that he has in our lives today. Yeah, that, and that's such an important truth that there's so many things that not just clamor for our attention, but can really grab a hold of us. Um, you, you mentioned things like addictions, and, and there's so many of them, and, and lots of mental health issues and so mm -hmm. on. And, and these vices can seem to have such power and control and even authority over us. But Jesus is the ultimate power, and he's the ultimate authority, and we can call on him to set us free that's from so these things. True. So that's great. Yeah. Um, what is your next observation? Yes, a third observation is the interesting fact that can be inferred from this event is when we look at... Uh, the, the, that when Jesus drove the demons into the pigs, mm -hmm. that we can infer from this event that actually animals can also be demon-possessed. Mark 5 verse 12 says, Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So uh, to give a little bit of a, a background story or an illustration to see in my own life how this happened, uh, we were in India and we were looking after someone's dog that they took off the streets. And so they felt that they needed to look after this animal. They had compassion on this dog. And his name was Toma, but we actually eventually called him Trauma because of all the issues we had with him. But there was one time where he was being very, very disobedient and he was actually chewing up some of the shoes that were in the house because oftentimes in India, because the streets were not always so clean, we would leave the shoes in the front of the door. And I came through the passage one day and Toma was busy actually chewing on the shoes and I rebuked him for that and he turned around and there was something different about him and he just came towards me with this very very vicious growl and I realized that Toma was it was something different than mm. I was used to him and naturally just naturally I just cried out I said Toma I bind you in the name of Jesus which is I don't know why I said it or mm. why I did was but immediately he backed off and he actually went and he cowered in the corner of where the shoes were. And to my astonishment, I realized that there was something there that was just not normal. And when I rebuked it in this dog, in the name of Jesus, he completely backed off. And something, it, it just made an impression on me about that just illustrates the truth that we find in this, mm -hmm. in this, yeah. in this scripture. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not always, it's, it's not clear why Jesus sent these demons into the pigs. But again, if we go with the assumption that Jesus always had a reason and a purpose yes. for everything he did, 
it could have simply been a way just again to demonstrate his authority over over the spiritual yes that he had authority over the demons and in fact the demons couldn't even do anything unless jesus allowed them to do so that's true so even though the demons had this power over the man they were absolutely no match for the authority of jesus yes okay so what's your fourth and final observation okay so it's actually quite simple when this man was delivered and set free from his tormentors the work was full and complete. In other words, it says here in Mark 5 verse 15b, it says he was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. And you know something that came up when you were reading the, the event of the storm. When, when Jesus rebuked the storm, it says everything was calm mm -hmm. and completely at peace. Yeah. And it's in a sense what happened to this man. When Jesus rebuked these demons and he was set free, he was calm and at peace. It was a complete work. The authority of Jesus was total. And whatever left him, everything was gone and he was set at peace. So he was, like, I guess he was kind of returned to normal. Well, actually, like a normal, he probably hadn't experienced for, That's for right. many, many years. Yes. Yes, actually, he was back to better than normal. Right. We'll go into that in a, little, in a minute to come. But the key point is that the demons were gone and he was fully restored. Mm -hmm. And that just speaks of the amazing authority that Jesus had physically, spiritually. And as we will see in a moment, even within the community, there is an authority that Jesus had that transcends everything we know. Now, as I mentioned earlier, one of the reasons why we had you uh, join me and we've partnered on this message is you've actually had some experience with, you know, kind of demonic and spiritual forces. And you were sharing with me a little bit about an episode uh, that you had in, in India when yes. you had some experience with that. So again, just take a, a, a brief moment, but why don't you share with us a little bit of that experience? Yes, you know, my wife and I, we went to stay in Varanasi and we were involved in a small church plant that was uh, started by a pastor by the name of Janardan. And uh, we visited this church in the village area and we were busy worshiping. We were in Varanasi maybe a few weeks. We were just fresh off the boat, if you can put it like that. And we didn't really expect anything like what we were about to encounter to happen. We were just clapping hands, singing songs with everybody. And as we were busy worshiping the Lord, the lady that was standing next to Karen started to manifest. And I thought, first of all, we thought we've never really encountered something like that specifically in a church. It seemed a little odd at first, but then it became very odd. And she started to fall down and started to actually make uh, like a snake that was, was on the ground. And obviously we got the fright of our lives. We didn't expect this at all. And yet Janardan, the pastor of the church, it was like commonplace for him. He came forward and he looked at the lady and he rebuked the spirit in the name of Jesus as if it was a common day thing. It wasn't anything dramatic, anything out of the ordinary for him. He just rebuked this demon in the name of Jesus to leave the woman. And I tell you, with my own eyes, Karen and I, my eyes and Karen saw the spirit leave this woman and she was completely calm. But you won't believe as this spirit left the woman, it entered her little child that was sitting next to her. And as it entered the child, the child fell over. This is a, a, a child that was about two years old. And can you imagine this? A small little two-year-old child started to make like a snake on the ground. 
and we were blown away. And Pastor Jonathan just took his Bible and he held his Bible. I don't know if that was anything to do. I guess it's just the way he did it. And he rebuked this demon in the name of Jesus to leave this little, uh, little child. And immediately the child was back to normal. And Karen and I were amazed to see the authority that this man had because of Jesus' name and the authority that Jesus was working through him. So to us, that was just a mind-blowing experience to see firsthand that there was such authority in the name of Jesus. Wow. So that's really interesting because even as you were sharing, I mean, it paralleled this story so much of the disciples, like just fearful going in, not sure what was happening, not sure what was going on. And then all of a sudden, because Jesus reveals his authority and his powers through this pastor, this woman and this child was set free. Yes, and you can imagine what it did to our faith. You know, we were just amazed. Obviously, we knew that there's authority in Jesus. Mm -hmm. We had a walk with Jesus already, but to see it in the real world and to see how demons had to submit in the name of Jesus mm -hmm. when there was authority of a man of God that spoke it into these two people, it was just, we just felt wow as we left that church that it was our faith was just taken to the mm. next level. So, so far we've seen the unquestionable authority of Jesus over the physical. We've seen the unquestionable authority of Jesus over the spiritual. Now our last unquestionable authority of Jesus is seen in the last part of this amazing encounter. So Spencer, could I actually ask you to read for us uh, Mark chapter 5 verses 14 to 17 and then Mark chapter 5, 18 to 20. Yes, I'll do that. So verse 14 starts off and it says, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what happened. You can probably imagine the, the, the huge uh, implications of this. So verse 15 goes on to say, When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. And then Mark 5, verse 18 to 20 says, As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. So our final point today actually comes from these very different, these two very different responses to Jesus' demonstration of power and authority. See, on one side you have those tending the pigs and those who are from the town. When those tending the pigs saw what Jesus did and those from the town came and saw the fully healed and restored man, they actually feared Jesus. They, they, asked, they asked him to leave. Mm -hmm. Now on the other side, you have the man who was healed. He responded with the desire to join Jesus, to follow Jesus and his disciples, and to walk with him. So not only do we see that Jesus has unquestionable authority over the physical, not only do we see that Jesus has unquestionable authority over the spiritual, but Jesus desires to have unquestionable authority over the personal each of our own individual lives. Yes. But that's a decision each and every one of us have to make on our own. And that's why I make this point with a, with a question mark, because Jesus will never force you to submit to his authority. Mm -hmm. However, 
He does long for each of us to willingly submit our lives in faith and in trust to Him. Absolutely. And this is the amazing love that Jesus has for us. He doesn't force us into anything, but He does show us His compassion and His grace. And it's an invitation that yeah. He then brings to us to, sub to submit to this authority in our lives so that Jesus would be the supreme authority. And um, that, the, that's for sure to remember that, that one day, according to Paul in his letter to the Philippians, an amazing scripture that comes forth that says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yeah, you know, God grants each of us the gift of life, one life. And whether that life is short or long, whether it's hard or easy, no matter what part of the world we're born in, we all have really just one key decision to make. Yes. You think it's tough trying to figure out what to eat or what to wear or what career you want. There's really only one decision that each of us needs to make in our lives, and that's whether or not we will submit to the lordship, the kingship, and the authority of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. and follow him. That's really the only decision that matters. And the healed man's decision and actions, sorry, the healed man's actions revealed his decision to submit to the unquestionable authority of Jesus Christ in his life. Mm -hmm. First, his desire was to follow Christ, like the other disciples, so that he could be with him, that he could learn from him, and he could do the things that the disciples and, and Jesus was doing. However, it's interesting that Jesus had other plans for him. Mm -hmm. Jesus sent him. Now, let me use that phrase again. Jesus sent him back to his own town and to his own people and told him to tell others of what he had done for him. Mm -hmm. So in effect, Jesus actually sent him on a mission. Yes. Jesus sent him to testify to his authority and to his power. And he was the living example of that. Now, we don't know what happened, but I would believe that others, perhaps many others in his hometown and perhaps in that whole region, also then submitted themselves to the authority of Jesus Christ simply through this man's testimony. Yes, you can just imagine. I mean, many people probably knew of him yeah. and the condition he had. And the testimony that he had that he brought to them had intense authority because it superseded just words. They could see that this man who was in such intense bondage was set free and it had to speak to them. It had to speak to their hearts for them to understand that whoever did this to him had to have incredible authority. So, so actually what had happened was Jesus had healed this man, but it, it ended up that he didn't end up going to a Bible college or sitting in the right Bible studies or taking the right classes. Uh, some would even say was even properly prepared to go out. Now, I agree that it's good to be trained and prepared, but I actually think sometimes we overthink that. Um, we think we can't possibly go out or be on mission from God if we don't have the right degree or we don't have the right training we haven't done the right Bible studies, or we have the right experience. And I think sometimes leaders are hesitant to send those out who don't have all the things that I mentioned just a moment ago. But it seems that here Jesus, the ultimate leader, the ultimate disciple maker, knew that at the very least this man had a testimony. He had a story of Jesus' work in his own life. And to Jesus, that was enough to send him. Yes. Perhaps the most powerful tool we have to guide others towards Christ and to help them begin their walk with Him is simply our own personal story and our encounter with God. We all have a story to tell, 
Maybe the beginning of discipleship is listening to the stories of those God brings into our lives and then praying for the opportunity to share our story of what God has done in our lives and is doing in others around us. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. I think being willing to listen to the stories of others and then being prepared to share your own story are two of the keys of what it means to, to be a disciple and to be a disciple maker. Now, Spencer, as we wrap up, you actually had, I thought you had some very good thoughts on how we could close the message today. So why don't you share with us some of those thoughts as we close? Yes, you know, when we read the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, Jesus commissions us to go and make disciples of all men. But the first words of these two verses are very mm -hmm. important for us to look at. And it says so in Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, I have been given all authority... And that's the key, all authority in heaven and on earth. And then in verse 19, within mind of having this authority, Jesus says, therefore go. So this infers that our going needs to be in the same authority that Jesus had. And he actually shows us in other scriptures that this authority is something that he is empowering us to go forth and do. And that is why our testimonies are powerful, right. because they have the authority of Jesus behind it. Yeah. And, and that's a great way and a great reminder as we kind of close our time this morning. The unquestionable authority of Jesus is the same authority that we individually and also together as his church go out with into the places that he sends us to. So the unquestionable authority of Jesus over the physical, the unquestionable authority of Jesus over the spiritual. The only question left to answer is, does Jesus have unquestionable authority over you, over each of our own lives? Spencer, it's really been great to share with you uh, and to share this time with you this morning. Um, can I ask you just to close our time in prayer yes. as we wrap up our service? Yes, thank you very much. I really enjoyed this time that we had. It actually speak, uh, spoke to me as well, uh, just bringing again to me the truth of this amazing Jesus that we serve. And I will pray. Let's, yeah, let's just you. pray. Lord, it's so incredible to know that you are real and that you are alive and that all that we are doing and sharing here this morning isn't just a mere story that we made up, but it really is the truth that you reveal to us in your word. And you've backed this up by giving us your spirit who lives in us. And we've seen in the past and, and we will see in the future how the authority that you have is also available to us in our lives. And my prayer for us all today, as Cal said, is Lord, allow us to be in submission to you, that your authority will reign supreme in our lives. May you be truly Lord. May we be obedient to what you've called us and allow us to have an intimate, powerful, deep relationship with you that's real and alive every day, every moment. Lord, we cannot even think of moving into this world if you are not with us, if you are not in us. You make the difference. You give reason to our lives. You give us hope and joy and peace. And it is an incredible truth to know this. And we thank you for this grace in our lives. We thank you for that in your name, your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. 
Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you and thanks for listening.